open your copy of God's Word to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Continuing our series, just a few sermons away from the end of this book, all 12 chapters, verse by verse. It's been a great uh, book of wisdom God has given to us. Hear now God's Word as it comes from chapter 12, the first eight verses. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house trembled and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few and those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low and one will arise at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along. The caper berry is ineffective for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. I want us to think about this text and it's kind of opens up for us uh, as you think about it and meditate on it a little bit, and I'll try to get you there, but it reminded me of childhood prayer I was taught, and I don't know, many of you may have been taught as well, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Some of you were saying it with me, so I know you know it, but that was a great childhood prayer, and yet, like this passage, it, it puts into your mind the reality of death. And as you think of that prayer, I want you to focus on just one word in the prayer, and the word is the word before. If I die before I wake, there's the real possibility that I might not wake up. Of course, that's the prayer many of us have. I don't want to wake up. Most of you want to die in your sleep. So you have already faced the reality that it could happen, that you could die while you sleep. So what do you want to happen before that happens? And the request is obviously that God would hold me, that God would take me, that God would remember me if I go through that valley of the shadow of death. Before is important. What do you want to happen before you die? You know, we're all in two categories we either have done already what we want to happen before we die, 
Or we haven't done what we want to do before we die. How many of you would be surprised to die before you'd read all the way through the Bible and meet the author of this book? How many of you would be surprised to die before you had learned his commands, the standard for those who live in heaven? How many of you would be surprised to die before you started tithing your income and made it clear to God you're under his lordship and you bring a, the proper tribute to him week to week and you're his. I mean, how many of you would be surprised to die not having done what you knew you needed to do before you died? That is really the focus of Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. Is let me show it to you. Look at verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before, don't miss the word, before this, the evil days come. It's going to get worse. Verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon, the stars, you know, they all go out. And then you see it again in verse 6. Remember him before the silver cord breaks and the bowl is crushed. There's a focus on something we must do before we die. I want you to think about it. It's not, it, this is a great passage because it's, there's really only one point. It's thinking of the one thing you must do before you die. We need to be focused there, understand what it is God wants us to do. First of all, let's face the reality. Face the reality of our death, our mortality. We're going to die. You don't know anybody that's ever left this earth that hasn't. It's going to happen to us, too, at some point. So let's face the reality of that. And I think that's what he's doing here in a poetical sense a lot of people interpret this passage in so many different ways. If you start buying commentaries and reading this section of Scripture, you get one guy thinks it means this and one guy thinks it means that. If you ever, I'll just tell you this. If you ever start reading the Bible and, and then you read it again the next year and the next year and you come to a passage of Scripture and it always means something different the next time, you got the wrong interpretation. God has meant His Word to be absolute truth. You don't make it mean what you want it to mean. It can't mean something different over and over. It must mean something, and we must get it right. And when you look at this passage, when I started hearing people say it means this, and it means this, well, then what does it mean? I think it's just a very literal, poetical rendering of the day of our death. And he's trying to get us to think before that day happens. Have you done what you need to do? Um, and I just want to walk you through it. He's, he's really just trying to, to get us to feel the reality of our own 
funeral? What do you need to do before that hearse proceeds to the graveyard? What's going to be on your mind? What's going to be on your heart? Let me just kind of walk you through it. And when, when you think about the descriptions that he gives here, just imagine yourself for a moment in a one-horse town, okay? So you're, I think the scene here is you're walking down Main Street. In a one-horse town. You're walking to your own grave. He's, he's trying to paint a picture. And he does it with, with wonderful poetry. Giving us that picture. Verse 1. Let's just walk through it. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before. So he's talking to young people. Or he's talking to anybody that understands these words from youth to old age, because he describes old age here, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. The description there is when you're young, life really is typically a lot easier than when you're old. And he describes the old days as the days that are coming evil. The years draw near. You wake up and you're in pain. And you don't really have delight like you used to have. It's, it's different. Ask any old person, they'll tell you. Old age is not for sissies. There's a lot of tough, evil days ahead when bodies groan. And he's describing that here. It's, it's not hard. And then, verse 2, before the sun, the, the fact that he, he puts a definite article, he, he's describing a one particular day. Before the sun, the light, the moon, the stars are darkened. Like, in other words, before your lights go out. Or before the clouds return after the rain. In other words, it's, you think when the rain, the clouds are full of, Water, they pour out their rain. You're supposed to see the sun. He says, and it's like the, there's this day coming where it's, it's just all dark. Even when the rain clouds are done, it's still dark. And it doesn't seem fun anymore. Uh, he's describing death day. And he's describing death day as a gloomy day. Verse 3, in the day. You see, he's still on this same day. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop. The language, there's a day in which it doesn't matter how big, how tough, how strong you are. doesn't matter how much ammo's in your gun. You tremble. And there's this, I can't stop death. When you're watching your own mom pass away or your own child or your own parent your own siblings. There's a day when the mightiest tremble. I can't stop this. It's called death day. And no matter how big or strong I am, I could be a mighty man, but I stoop. I could be the guard, the watchman, but I have to submit to it. It's death day. And there's no getting around it, no matter how smart, how big, or strong you are. 
And he keeps describing this as the mighty men stoop, verse 3, the grinding ones stand idle. There's nothing like a funeral that gets people out of work. They say, I'm, I don't have to work today. I need to go pay my respects. And people will stop their grinding, their work. Or if the funeral, and you're in that one-horse town, you say, well, my business has to stay open or people don't eat. It's a grinding meal. It's like, but when the funeral goes down Main Street, they stop. And they show respect. That's the description he's giving here. They stand idle because they are few. Everybody else is taken off work. They're in the procession. And those who look through windows grow dim. In other words, it's not a time for smiling faces. It's, it's a mournful, dim look that he's describing. And then verse door, and the doors of the street are shut. Most of the shops have closed up. They're involved in this funeral. As the sound of the grinding mill is low, and then it says, like, you hear a bird. Like the bird doesn't have a clue what's going on, perhaps. So if you've ever been in the graveyard and one songbird starts singing, everybody's kind of somber, and it's like, you know, this songbird grabs your attention. That's, he's, he, he's like he's just right there in the moment. He says, we know this is the way it is. Um, we'll rise up at the sound of this bird. If anybody's singing, all the daughters of song, they sing softly. Yes, we call it a celebration of life, our home going for believers, but there's still, it's hard to put all of our joy into it. It's, it's, it's more of a soft singing because we grieve that we're going to miss the one who has died. Verse 5, furthermore, men are afraid of high places and of terror on the road. You know, this is what often causes the death. We don't want to go through this again. And then it's just interesting little illustrations. The almond tree blossoms like you've got a, a picture. You look, and there's a picture of great life. And then you see a grasshopper. It's like he's just dragging himself along. Like he's part of the procession. And then a caperberry tree says it's no life. It's dead. It's ineffective. It's no fruit. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. See, there's the description. It says a person has died. He's going wherever he's going. His eternal home. And we are in the street. And in that street... These are the sounds he hears, the thoughts that he has. And it's all about what are we going to do when that's our day, when we're the ones in the street. He comes right back to his theme, verse 6, remember him before, before all of this. The silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Uh, great illustration of life that if our, if our life is in a precious bowl that's suspended by a silver cord. It's an illustration. You cut that cord. What happens to that precious life? Well, it's crushed, the shattered, destroyed. Or he looks to a well, perhaps, on that street. And he says, what happens when you go to the well for the water of life and the pitcher is busted, it's cracked, or there's 
there's no other pitcher to draw up water. It says it's crushed, it's cracked, it's gone. And then, verse 7, dust to dust, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, part of our phrase. A lot of times at funerals, you get it here and you get it in the book of Job. The dust will return to the earth. So we were made from the dust of the earth, and we return. Again, just a description of that death day, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity. It all seems vanity. Unless what? See, there's, there's direction here, not just description. Uh, it's not a tender picture. And the more I thought about that childhood prayer, I said, well, it's not a tender picture even in that prayer if you're thinking constantly about death. But thinking about death is wise because it makes us do what we need to do before that death day occurs. The emphasis that death is going to happen, verse 6, it's like a, a triple emphasis that something's broken, something's crushed, something's shattered. Uh, just a reminder. You need to remember your creator. Why? The creator holds the pot. He is the one who made us like a pot of clay. And if the creator decides to crack the pot, to shatter the pot, to crush the pot, to destroy the pot, he has every right to do so because he's the creator of the pot. Remember that. Remember that before the pot is broken. That you have a creator. Um, it reminded me, Hebrews 9, verse 27, short little verse that gives us the right perspective. Hebrews 9, 27, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once. And after this comes judgment. So at death, when our pots are crushed, our soul still faces the Creator. And we come to judgment. It would make sense that we would remember Him and remember Him properly at that point. How do you face the reality of death every day? Well, maybe I need a different prayer. Maybe I need a morning prayer, not just a nighttime prayer. Maybe I need something if I die before the day ends. I pray the, my soul remembers him. See, that's the one point here. What, what do you do? You remember your creator. You don't know when you're going to die. You could die very young. You could die very old. You could die... In the evil days, you could die in the young days. But do you remember your creator? Must face it, can't ignore reality. It's going to happen. Um, there's one way to be ready for death. And that one way is in verse 1, it's in verse 6. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. What does that mean? To remember it means to acknowledge existence. It means to, to honor. It means to think on. Well, let me give you a few passages. Look at Matthew 10, 32 and 33. 
you'll remember this as soon as I say it, but maybe have not thought about it in this way. Matthew 10, 23. Excuse me, 32 and 33. Uh, Matthew 10. Therefore, everyone who confesses me, this is Jesus speaking, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in, in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So do you remember God in such a way you acknowledge him so that when you do die, you'll say, well, I know he will acknowledge me because I have spent my days acknowledging him, remembering him and Christ giving that promise that if you confess me, you acknowledge who I am, that I am creator, I'm your Lord, I'll remember that and I'll bring that as a reason to introduce you to your heavenly father when you die. So certainly remembering God is acknowledging his existence and who he is and what that means. It's not vain to remember God at all. What does it mean to remember your creator? Verse 7, he's the owner of the pot. He's the owner of the silver cord. When he breaks it, when he lets it fall, you know, do we remember he's in charge? He gets to decide. He gets to create. And we must surrender to his creation, submit to his design and his plan. I think it's more than just acknowledging the existence it's a life that we've got to live when we say, I'm going to remember today, I'm going to remember my Creator. You're talking about living a certain way under the sovereignty and lordship of God, the Creator. Put it to you in an illustration. Um, suppose we're at war with a foreign country known for its immorality and evil cities, and your husband signs up for service to go and fight this battle. And the wife looks at the husband who's going to be deployed. He's leaving home. And he's going to an immoral country and an immoral city, and she says, remember me. When you get out there, Fighting this battle, remember me. What does she mean? She certainly doesn't mean, I just want you, when you get over there in that immoral place, I just want you to remember that I exist. That's not what she means. I want you to remember that I'm the one you took vows to. I want you to remember I have taken vows for you. I don't want you to remember that we are one. I want you to remember I stand by you. I am loyal to you. Be loyal to me. Be faithful to me. I am in this with you. I will celebrate you. I will stand up and mourn you if you die as long as you remember me. That you're 
faithful and honorable, that you are a man of integrity, that you live life the way it was designed a married man to live. That's what she means. And we know that. Why would God mean anything different when God says, remember me, your creator. Acknowledge that I am your God, your Lord, your designer. When we fail to remember God, what happens? We live like we want. Clear examples, Romans 1. Look at Romans 1 with me. And you, you notice the, the focus and emphasis on acknowledging God, remembering Him in this passage. Um, let me just read through it uh, quickly, starting at uh, verse 19, Romans 1. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. So God's made it clear to all of us. He's God. He is creator. It's evident. You can't escape physical realities that God has put into place. Verse 20, for since the creation, see, he's the creator. He is, creates. He creates every day in the womb of a mother. He creates New beings, and we saw that earlier in Ecclesiastes, and says, even to this day, doctors and nurses and scientists don't know how bones are formed in the womb of a mother, because there's a creator who's doing this work. God is creating. Since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they didn't honor. See, they didn't remember. They didn't acknowledge. Even though you know God, everyone in this room knows God, but some of you are not remembering God. That's the difference. You're not choosing to honor and reflect acknowledge, be faithful to God. Even though they knew God, they didn't honor Him that way, as God. Or give thanks. You're just, you, remembering means to treat God as God. And they failed to do that, or even give thanks to God for the creation that we all enjoy. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Again, the, the, this one point is foolish to not remember God. That would, just wouldn't make sense. You're returning to God. It would make sense to remember Him, but it doesn't make sense not to. Verse 23, and so what do you do in exchange? If you're not going to remember God, you exchange the glory, the uncorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. In other words, you start remembering people instead of remembering God. Start being man-centered instead of God-centered. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over. He says, if that's the way you want to go, I'll just let you do that. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and they served the creature rather than the creator. 
who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desires towards one another. Men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. So I'm not going to remember God. God gave them over to a depraved man to do things which are just not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. How do you avoid all those sins? Remember your Creator. All of those sins happen because we don't wake up remembering our Creator. God says, if you remember me, you acknowledge that I'm God, that I designed your life, I created you a male or a female. I gave you physical characteristics and distinctions that work wonderfully when you remember me. But when you choose not to remember me and you say, well, I don't feel like it right now. I know you made me a male, but I feel like a female. Or you made me a female and I feel like a male. And so I choose to be something other than the way I was created. God says, okay, I'll see where this is going. You just want to focus on your feelings instead of focusing on your creator. And instead of doing things the way I designed, well, just want to, you want to take the reins and you want to do things your own way. Well, let me tell you where that's going. That's going to lead to perversions, and it's going to lead to diseases, and it's going to lead to envy, and it's going to lead to maliciousness, and it's going to lead to gossiping about people and slander. It's going to lead to all manner of evil things, and you're going to die. And when you die, you're going to face your Creator. Will you be surprised that you didn't do life differently before you die? Because death catches us by surprise. We really don't see it coming. It can happen in our youth. It can happen in our old age. But we don't know the day. We just know it's coming. And it comes to all of us at different times. Failure to remember What should we do? How should we make this different? Psalm 16, one of my favorite psalms, has this right in the the middle of it. Let me read it. Psalm 16, verse 8. says this. I have, this is the psalmist's testimony. I have set 
the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Wow, that's a great charge for the day. I have set the Lord constantly before me. Because I'm remembering my Creator. Because I am remembering His design. Because I'm remembering His calling on my life. Because I am focused on Him. I will not be shaken. This is not going to end badly. Because I have set the Lord before me. Man, that's, that's, that's where I think Ecclesiastes 8 wants to get us to that place of remembering God and having God constantly before us. When should we do that? The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, first four verses there, he says, he says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to remember your Creator. Today is the day. When should you do that? Today. Start now. I have no guarantee for any of you you'll, you'll survive through the communion service. You know, today, remember your Creator right where you are. It's that urgent that we not fail to remember Him or we die before this happens. Some people say, well, I, I, I don't want to give my life to God yet. You know, I'm, I'm too young. Who came up with that notion that youth is for fun and pleasure, middle age is for business, and old age is for religion. A lot of people live that. But just think about it. it. In other words, do what you want with most of your life and save the dregs for God. Does that really sound wise? No. That's foolish. That's vanity of vanities. Remember your Creator now. Today is the day to remember Him and serve Him and live for Him. It's imperative, and the reason it's imperative is because death is imminent. It's going to happen. And it can happen to any of us. What do people do in heaven? We could all agree that they at least worship, right? They worship around the throne of God. What is worship? Worship is remembering. We have a creator. And we have a savior of sinners. We remember him. And then it brings us to response. I want to praise him. I want to thank him for this day. I want to thank him for forgiveness. I want to thank him for pardon. I want to thank him for making me the way he's made me. For giving me the calling he's given me. I want to live my life for him. That's worship. It's simply remembering God and living life for Him. I pray you never have a day where you don't remember who made you and what that means. Let's pray together. Father, it's so easy to go through a day thoughtless as though we had no care in the world and that's just wrong and it's foolish and it's vain 
we should care that life is short, that we have an appointment, and that appointment is to die and to face you. Lord, let us remember you. The youngest one who understands my voice, Lord, in this room, let them remember you. The oldest one here, let them remember you and live their lives as those who are under your sovereign care and grace. Live lives of praise and thanks and gratitude. Live dependent upon you who hold the silver cord before it breaks. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you that it's wise. Thank you that it's what we need. We do give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.